The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. And the Penguins are watching for the move. It only takes one central bank to see their error. Others will follow. We're entering into the last quarter. It's almost done the year. And here we are moving into what is often a seasonably favorable period. But it's 2022. All this and much more on episode number 784 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Very happy end of September, too. Listen, let's start off and reach out to all of those people that have been and are affected by this nasty hurricane that passed by us last week and is still creating a lot of havoc for people in its path. Just awful damage. Just terrible. There's, there's nothing that, you know, maybe we could say it could have been worse, maybe, but it was pretty bad. I mean, we see what happened on Fort Myers Beach, the west side and west coast of Florida and into the midland of Florida and up to Orlando, of course, and Daytona and then up the, the East Coast. Just a terrible situation. And right now, it's interesting because it seems that storms are everywhere. Everywhere we look these days, there's another horrible situation that is brewing, whether it's weather-related, like Hurricane Ian, or it's you know market-related with Tornado Powell, both are destructive in their own ways. I mean, both are just absolutely trying to wreak havoc along the path that they travel. And one can be controlled to a degree and the other can't. And there's a big problems with that. But that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Historical moves that we're seeing on a regular basis. It's consistent with this trying to test the outer bounds of where we are. I mean, we can look at so many different examples of this of this that's going on right now and you know, it, it's 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 like wow, have things ever been this complicated and this bad? I mean, listen. Nothing ever changes. Whenever you look at that and ask that question, you realize, yeah, it was like this before. Maybe time heals all wounds, we move beyond it and things get better over time, which usually is the case, right? From destruction, we lead into rebuilding. We lead into the next phase of, of growth and opportunity. But during that time that things are really bad, well, it's ugly. And what to do when, and, and when we start thinking about things like, you know, bonds and, and currencies. And I guess when we look at that right now, we have to realize that payback is a Bitch, we have been sucking on all of this wondrous stimulus and low interest rates for decades. And here we are now having to pay the piper a bit. Well, that's where we are now. But before we say one more thing, a bit of a quick introduction is in order. I'm not exactly sure who you are, but I want to make sure you know who I am. 
I'm Andrew Horowitz. I am the president of Horowitz & Company. We're an investment management firm. I'm also, of course, the host of The Disciplined Investor going on since 2007. So we've seen a lot of changes that have gone on over the years in the industry of podcasting, but of course in markets. And the thing is, this is not just an academic lesson that I'm trying to bring to you. This is not just education in the form of, and for the sake of education, this is real life in the trenches, everyday investing. This is work that we do that I carve out the time to bring you what I hope to be some insights and some things that I've learned, some lessons, yes, that we could bring on that provide us with all sorts of great information. But right now, I think we really need to focus on what's happening. And I say that I don't know you. Because how can I know you, right? I mean, yeah, a lot of you do reach out and you send me emails. You can go over to thedisciplineinvestor.com and you can say, ask Andrew. You can send me an email that way. Lots of ways in which you can reach out and talk to me and tell me about who you are. But listen, for reality, for the tens and thousands of people that are listening right at this moment, I'm not sure who you are, right? Exactly. I don't know exactly who you are. But I bet that all of us are somewhat similar when it comes to our money because we like it. We like it a lot and we don't like to lose it. Most of us are willing to invest, right? That's what we do. That's why we're listening to this, this, this discussion. We like to invest. We like opportunity. We like for the, the, the benefit of putting our money to work so that we can have a good outcome sometime down the road, whatever that date is, in order to utilize that money to enhance or to support our lifestyle. That's what it's all about, right? But sometimes we get a little scared. We get worried, confused. We get anxious. And the difference between maybe you and me is how we approach these things and how we approach it from a different vantage point. Because I'm quote-unquote professional, and you are not. No, that's not what it is. No, not at all. I am used to this. And, you know, you are just looking from the outside. No, that's not what it is either. The difference is that how I look at this is a very long game. Every day yields a week. Every week is a month, quarter, year, the future. I have seen and I have the benefit of perspective, not just because I'm older, but because I am immersed in this in a daily basis with people that are looking to reach their goals financially. So the perspective that I have is a bit of a outside perspective looking in and able to have a, a, an emotional attachment that is much different when it comes to the investments and understanding what it is that we're all trying to accomplish, which again is very similar. All of us, we're all doing a very similar process in what we're trying to do. I mean, it's, it's weird, right? This whole concept of how we look at money and how we feel about it and what it, what it brings us to do. Yeah, I'm professionally trained. I mean, think about it. If nothing else, I've been here before. That's what we're looking at, right? I mean, tops and bottoms and rallies and, and crashes of the markets. I've seen them. 
I've seen fat finger trades. I've seen when uh, feds increase, when feds decrease. I've seen when we see stimulus. I've seen when we have financial crisis. Bubbles forming, bubbles popping. Short squeezes and market manipulation. So the experience that I have in this is kind of interesting because it gives me, again, a different perspective. Maybe I'm a bit used to it. I've experienced for what this all is, up close and personal. So maybe that's a little bit of the differential and why what I'm going to talk to you about today, I think, is extremely important. To be honest, though, to be just absolutely open about this, it's not a pleasant experience when a market or a trade or an investment moves against you. Me. I don't like it either. It's not like I'm sitting here saying, oh, don't worry, John. You know, that uh, 90% loss that you have on that, it's fine. That was expected, like all the crypto bros are talking about over the last number of years. Ah, you know what? Bitcoin, you're supposed to be able to understand that it has 50 and 60% down draws, drawdowns and downdrafts, and that's good because that makes for buying opportunities. Yeah, there's some, there is something to be said about that when it comes to quality companies and things that have staying power. But on the other hand, it could also be the sign of an impending bankruptcy or failure. And right now, I think that a lot of people are very shell-shocked with what's going on. I want to provide insights on how to survive all this mentally because some of the worst investing mistakes that I have seen over time and that you probably stories that you've heard of as well are made right now. Right now is when these mistakes are made that are unrecoverable, that provide for failure in the future, the inability to get your goals. And again, I keep on harping about this right now in this time slot that we have in time when markets are not doing, quote unquote, what we want them to do, right? If you're long biased. On the short side, it's fun. But generally speaking, most people are looking at the markets from opportunistically investing in a way that gives you long-term hedging, raising cash, using alternative strategies. We're not talking about that for the moment. We're talking about the very, ah, the, the basics. We're talking about the, the rawest form of, of, of investing for the long haul, just for the moment, because that is what I want to make sure that we're protecting. We could talk about, hey, you know what? Hey, Charles did great at shorting or buying the VIX or going after the SPACs and all that, but that's a temporary circumstance with a certain amount of opportunity and profitability. Is a cap. Shorting only can give you 100% only. And that's a rarity. That's a bankruptcy. So this nature of where we are with a lot of people shocked right now and unable to think straight, but when they do and they become to a point fed up, disgusted, and, 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 and really just washed out personally, unable to handle the, the mental stress that goes along with all of this news and then markets and then you look at your portfolio and you get disgusted, you get upset. And what do you end up doing? Making bad decisions. 
So first things first, let's take a cleansing, take a cleansing breath. Let's think through where we are right now and what are the goals. It is, it is, it is time to focus and refocus on why you're investing. This is the best time to do this. To think about why am I even involved in this in the first place? What am I nuts? Why should I even put myself through this anxiety on a regular basis? If that's what you're doing. And what's the point? I mean, the point of all this is not, it's not to be stressed out. It's not to be overwhelmed. It's not to be a point that you are so upset that you just throw in the towel and your life is just ruined and you go out and need to have a drink because you just can't take it anymore. That's not it. The point of all this is to secure your finances for your future. For some time. Out there. In the future. And let's let's stop for a moment. Take a pause and think about this little ditty. I want you just for a moment to start thinking about your house. Your house is value. You own it. You may own it with a silent partner being the bank in the form of a mortgage, but you own it. Okay, let's just go with that. And that house, the value of that house moves up and down on a regular basis, doesn't it? In fact, theoretically, it's moving up and down every single minute of every day, depending on market conditions, up and down every week, every month, every year. It's moving around. But eh, you're not going anywhere right now. You're living in your house. You love it. You got your easy chair. You got your 75-inch TV. You got your remote. What else do you need? You got that couch that has the cooling unit in it that you put your six-pack in. You're in great shape right now. Feeling good. And if you did think about going somewhere, you'd be like, okay, I want to sell because I want to buy something or I'm going to rent something. I'm going to change what I'm doing here. But, you know, you go through a process and the amount of money that you're going to get is based on whatever the markets are yielding at this point. Up, down a little bit, a few thousand, a few 10,000, whatever it exactly is at this moment. Okay. What does all that mean? And what's the point? Why am I bringing this up? The point is that the house value is always moving, right? It's always moving, but does it bother you? Are you up at nights worrying? Oh my gosh, the house we lost $652 on today. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm worried about the next three years because right now interest rates are a little bit higher. And oh my gosh, I think the housing prices are going to go up, go down, whatever it is, depending on a few things. Oh, you know what? There was a fire down the block and a break-in across the street. And you know what? That's going to really impact the housing prices. That I, oh, and look at that. I looked on Zillow. I looked on Redfin, whatever it is that you're looking at. I mean, do you really ever think about that ever? Does it keep you up at night? Do you worry that your house is moving up and down in value? I mean, if you wanted to know minute by minute about what your house value is worth, how would you even do it? And yet you're comfortable with the notion that you have an approximate number that you think, just, a, just an idea of what the house is valued at. And you may check it every once in a while through a various app or service or somehow look at the estimate, the Z estimate on Zillow to see, oh, it's down a little bit. It's up a little bit. Okay. And that number 
is the value of your house and you're comfortable with it. And you probably sleep well at night with the knowledge that, you know what, the house is worth this or that. And even if it does drop, you say, well, I'm not selling right now anyway, so I feel comfortable with where I am. The fact is, you're in good shape. On the other side, on the flip side of this, every up and down with your investments may bother you if you're that kind of person. Some people it doesn't. With some people, you realize, okay, you know what? So, okay, markets are moving. You know, I, I understand that we have a pretty severe situation right now, but, you know, it's going to resolve itself like it always does, even though this time seems worse. This time seems cataclysmic. This time seems like it's different than any other time in history. Well, it's always that way. I mean, are you one of those that look at your phone, your computer to check what is going on in the markets every day, every minute, maybe multiple times a day? like you're going to do something about that info anyway. Is that you? Are you a trader? And if you are, okay, that's great. And I'll excuse you from this discussion. If you're a trader looking at your portfolio value on an every single day basis and haunting, uh, and, 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 and haunting, uh, uh, hunting for profits and getting haunted by, I shouldn't say it that way, uh, the losses and getting absolutely thrilled with profit. You're a trader. You don't have to listen to what I'm going to tell you about right now. You're excused. But for the rest of you, you are investing with something else in mind, some other goal, and that goal is probably not linked to today's closing price. So if you're able to have a clear mind and cl and maybe a, a, a calm view of your ultimate goals, how would that look? If you really believe that your investments will be okay, even if they are not checked always, even if you don't have to look at them every single minute, every single day, or every single week, if maybe once a month, you could think about your portfolio and think of it like the house value that we talked about, that you know it's valued. The daily movements are really not that important. They're they're important to understand if you string them all together. But more so the general trend and the, the outcome on the date that you are going to sell your house and then what? Buy something else, rent something else, or cash out, get an RV and just go. Whatever it is, that's really the focus here. That's how you build wealth. And I'm telling you this now because I really want you to focus in a time that's pretty awful in a time that nothing's working, unless you're in cash or shorting. Listen, cash for our clients this week, we picked up a money market at 2.4 to 2.6%. Pretty good. When we look at the circumstance that we find ourselves in right now, it's a head scratcher. There's good news on the underlying economy, which means bad news for the underlying markets. We have resolutions in certain areas, but other things flaring up. A lot of mixed signals going on right now. Then you have boneheaded moves by uh, by politicians. But the point is that if we are going to create wealth for ourselves, it is a process. Now, losses are difficult. And we do our best to 
control those in a way that's consistent with opportunistically investing. You can't just be in and out. I got to tell you, the opportunity has passed, years has passed, the markets are too efficient to try to time the markets. Now, invest with some sense, that's different. I'm not saying that your portfolio should be a set it and forget it. Remember that Ron Popeil oven, set it and forget it, and then you just go and pick it up and you got this wondrous looking chicken, so well browned and golden on the outside. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is a watch pot never boils. And by checking and compulsing, you're led to making some very bad decisions. The whole discussion right now that I'm leading up to is trying to prevent you from making some really bad decisions. I remember very distinctly a couple of things. I remember back in March of 2020 when the markets were absolutely getting pummeled. I remember very distinctly people were freaking out, selling off their portfolios, didn't know what to do, and they sold off pretty much at the worst time because it was hard to sell off in advance, and they were getting themselves so scared and so worried, rightfully so. No question about that, right? Everybody was nervous. We had no idea. We never went through something like this before. But the fact was that they started to make really inappropriate moves when it came to their portfolio because they were scared. They wanted to hold on to their money. And we went through back then a lot of reprogramming. Remember we talked about the one foot in, one foot out. We talked about the dollar cost averaging, the multiple type of either time-based and or opportunistic dollar cost averaging that we did with clients that came in with loads of cash, not knowing what to do, not realizing that it was one of the best times to invest in a long time. And of course we were benefited by stimulus. And of course we were benefited by uh, all of the uh, incredible bargains that were laid out there and the money that was made during that period due to the change in work from home versus work in the office, all of this was a time that really was not the best time to sell. It was near the bottom. It was near the point that there was a, 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 a just a, an absolute disdain because of the uncertainty that was out there. And I remember that we really worked hard at, at what I'd call this reprogramming. The understanding that we want to be in, but yet in a way that is comfortable. And even if we were to get back in right then and there, we need to have a portfolio that you're comfortable with, that you know is not going to go. Because really, what's the thinking? The thinking is that the portfolio is going to disappear. You're going to lose all your money, that you're just not going to have anything left, that one day it's just going to go down and then it's going to keep going down to a point there's just nothing left. You would not be selling if you thought, okay, well, we have a risk factor of uh, really losing about 10 to 15% given this kind of condition. And of worst case, outside, I'm down 22% as just an example. Uh, and if you, could, if you could really quantify that and put that as your understanding of what your portfolio would do, it's much different than I have no idea where the bottom is. And these disciplines that we talk about so often on this show, the discipline investor, right? That's what it's called. It's not only about investing disciplines, it's also about mental disciplines. The idea of really understanding the behavioral aspect of how we feel and how we deal with investing. And even though in my book, the first book I wrote called The Disciplined Investor, there's a chapter about 
uh, quantitative investing and, and, and understanding um, the idea of utilizing filters and screens and raw data just to find investments. And, and that chapter starts with the idea of when it comes to investing, emotions should be left outside the door. Leave it aside. But over the years, I, I really want to make sure we're clear about what I'm talking about when I say that because it really deals with just the functional process of investing. Because at the same time, emotions are a very good instrument, we'll say, to utilize in the process to understand where we are. If you're not nervous or opportunistic, you're not going to win in this game. You got to have a little bit of a balance in that. It's not all robotic and 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 simple algorithms. But we do need to be disciplined. And sometimes that discipline requires us to do nothing at all. Sometimes it means making some really hard choices and big changes. It all depends. But but one thing is not I'll tell you what is not. And this is where I really want you to pay attention. I haven't had to bring this up in a really long time. And for those of you that have been listening forever, this is going to ring a bell. For those of you that are new, you're like, oh, oh. Because what this discipline that you have involved in your investing process should not be is either the hope strategy or what we call the ostrich maneuver. What are those you ask? Eh. Well, the hope strategy is one where you look at your portfolio and you hope that things work out. You're going to get better. Well, I'll eventually get back to where I started and, and make more. Even if there are obvious and substantial issues related to your investments. I mean, think of those small project crypto deals that were out there or those SPACs that really never had a chance and they're down about 80, 85, 90%, I don't know. And the owners of those are not going to sell. Why? Because they hope that one day everybody else will recognize the value in this. They're going to get their money back. And they're investing in a way that is simply based on hope, but really no technical slash fundamental, or any other way of valuing a company. It's just hope. And the idea that they're, they're going to win out. Hope is not a strategy. Let me, let me repeat that. Because I want to repeat it even before I said it. Hope is not a strategy. Remember that as you think about your investments. But... Let's give it to you for at least looking at what you have on a regular basis and having a positive attitude if that's what you're doing. At least you're staying in the game. You're not giving up entirely. Because on the other hand, we have something that is equally as bad and is done in this kind of environment a lot. Probably that overwhelmingly that, that most people deal with right now, this, this idea of, you know, I don't want to look. And what we have on the other end of the extreme of hope in this kind of environment is the ostrich maneuver. Totally different. Because with hope, you know what you have. 
the ostrich, ostrich maneuver is total avoidance. Your head in the sand and absolutely not looking technique. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not looking, and if I don't look, I'm not down. I'm not looking because I don't want to be upset. I'm not looking because if I did, I don't know what I would do with it anyway. Truth of the matter is the ostrich maneuver could be either the best strategy for investing or the worst that was ever invented ever. It all depends because if you think about it, in a way, we're talking about long-term investing and in times of strife where there is markets that are moving against you and in a bad way that's such that you're very uh, upset, you may make some rash decisions. If you understand that about yourself, avoidance of it may be an interesting idea. However, like the house, there is something to say about giving the dough time to rise. The souffle in the oven, if you keep looking at it and opening the door back and forth, what happens? It falls. Got to be very careful. You know, they say with the best souffle, you want to keep your voice to a whisper when you're moving it and taking it out of the oven and plating it because otherwise it will just fall. This idea of fiddling and tinkering is not the best friend of a portfolio. Again, I've excused all the traders from this discussion. I'm talking about the investors out there. And as I mentioned in 2020, we had to do some reprogramming to make people really understand what was the way in which we wanted to create the atmosphere for cultivation of profits over time. The seed planting, if you will, the, 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 the growth and the opportunities that are out there so that one day that tree grows really strong and bears a lot of fruit. But, you know, there are those moments in the winter and it's not looking so good. But again, like the house, if we think about what we do with our house, we know that someday it's going to be worth more potentially or at least approximately where we bought it if we weren't stupid about where we bought it, right? And even if we were stupid when we bought it, we wait enough time. Things will work out. There's a general nature of normal inflation that brings prices up over time. We look at the idea of a disciplined rebalancing. Yeah, that, that is a horse of a different color. Much different than fiddling and tinkering, the idea of having a core portfolio positioned in a way that is right for your level of risk and your time horizon, then rebalancing it and changing investments where they need be if there are opportunities that arise or things that change in the in, in the understanding of what's, you know, the outlook. And that's what we do for our clients. We help them make solid decisions and then rebalance and retool the portfolio when it's needed. Not just because emotionally, oh, I'm so upset about what's happening. And a lot of the hard work in that is put on early in the process where you flush out where, where we're going with this. Not the markets, not the economy, not what's happening in Russia or 
Yugoslavia or Israel or what's happening with the inflation in Turkey. No, we're talking about where you're going. What's your time horizon? And what are you going to be doing over that time period? Do you have to plan for something, extract money? You're going to get a big inheritance, a bonus. What is it? It's discipline. And understanding the balance that we need to have for your particular situation or that you need to have for your particular situation is a real key uh, component of what you should be looking at right now. Right at this given time with markets in disarray, coming into the end quarter of 2022, when really there's not a lot of good things happening. How is your portfolio doing and what could you be doing better if there is such a thing? Looking at your risk. Looking at the process. Looking at the balance for your situation and putting together what that risk is so that you keep at it, not lurching back and forth, changing things all the time in and out of hope and ostrich trade on a regular basis. The beauty of investing is that we have, we have some idea over the long term how it, how it pays out and how it plays into the idea that companies themselves, when it comes to stocks, are going to do their best to perform because they need to for the profitability of the company and, of course, for the management. We know that. We understand about bonds, that you want to buy at certain levels and certain time um, uh, maturities in certain conditions. And the idea of what happens in an economy and in a market, the cycle that, that goes through over and over again with different inputs and different actors and in different settings, the basic construct of the markets are the same. We get a cycle. We have patterns. We have human nature. And what we're focusing in on right now is the idea of human nature, your human nature, your baseline of what you will commit to and not to, right? Both sides. What we're going to commit to and not to doing when it comes to investing and right now is a great test of your resolve when it comes to all this. Because right now, it's a wonderful time to really understand yourself and get to, really to get to understand yourself as an investor in a much different way to understand what it is you're willing to do, what stress you're willing to take, and then how then to refocus your portfolio for the future to ensure that you react to things in a way that is appropriate. Because right now we know it's been tough sledding and it has been kind of weird, the markets. And you can ask yourself, what did you do once you understood how the outlook could affect you? Did you, did you freeze and just hope? Did you change anything or think about pushing in when prices got interesting or you just kept your head in the sand like that ostrich. And much of what's happening right now is out of your control. Because if you think that you, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. It's in your control how you invest in what you invest in. But what's happening with markets is out of your control because you are not running that ship because the crew that is running that ship, I have a lot to say about.
Because if you remember, we talked about how people react to what's happening with a variety of different inputs. And you have to ask yourself how you react to those inputs. But, but on the whole, on the whole, the markets, investors are reacting right now because what's happening is that we are in what we know to be a game of confidence. Not necessarily a con game, right? A confidence game, not like that. But a game that includes the core of confidence to hold it all up. Because we are in a situation that we're finding ourselves in right now that is resulting of how people think about their present and future situation is what also I ask you to do all the time. And we look at what is next. And if we don't have confidence, then we pull back. Not only confidence in what is going to be in the markets, but what is going to be my income potential? What is going to be the opportunity for what I'm going to have to pay in taxes? Or, or, or how am I going to get through this or that situation? And when we have a lack of confidence, we pull back. It's natural. And we react and take money off the table. Or, or more appropriately, we don't put more money to work because you know what? We don't know. I had a client that recently, just um, a month ago, said, you know, I'm going to wire you X amount of money and got around to it this week and, and wired in less. And I said, what happened with the, oh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with the job right now. Confidence. Now, nothing may change. They may keep their job, their salary, and get even a bonus. Who knows? But there was confidence lost. And with confidence lost, their comfort with risk was reduced. And that's exactly what's happening right now. It's happening. It's all about confidence. And those who have the power to pull the strings right now are not instilling confidence in any of us. And from where I stand, the various governments do not earn our confidence. They don't. When the Biden administration is more concerned about race and gender than anything else, that is not confidence building for markets. Making smart decisions is what's important, not just who I'm putting in office because I need to have some balance of color and gender. I know a lot of people are going to be really aggravated about this, but that's kind of what it seems is going on. Some of the decisions that are being made are, are, are really you know, being made to, to create the facade of what we want to see and what we're happy about and what we feel good about rather than concrete measures that I would say are economically feasible and sustainable for the future. It's not confidence building. When the Fed makes policy mistake after policy mistake and the administration keeps them in there, the fact of the matter is that there's not a lot of confidence in that. It doesn't provide me with confidence how about you? Can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. And that's what the Fed is doing. The first thing they made, the policy mistake, mistake was back in 2020 when they said they are not thinking about thinking about thinking about raising rates and allowing for excessive amount of speculation in the markets that led to an excessive amount of opportunity to have an inflation that was in a runaway situation that they didn't see that was policy mistake number two and didn't react to. And now they're saying, you know what, we are going to keep raising interest rates no matter what. Again, the extreme side of the equation Policy mistake number three. 
We have newly crowned prime ministers making unfunded moves, reducing taxes, and issuing gobs of bonds without a plan. That's not providing me with any confidence. How about you? I don't think so. I, I, I wonder how that will change. But I do know that these are times that are testing and times that we need to be concerned about, but not terminally out. And the list can go on. But the main issue is the confidence that companies can get through all this. That's really what I'm focusing on, of whether or not it's possible. And in particular, we want to look at the ability for companies to meet earnings and their outlook is reasonable. Now, many companies already have been pulling back, right? We saw that Lyft is is, is talking about uh, hiring freezes, and we see that um, company after company after company. We saw some news on Apple this week about not ramping up production in a way that they thought they would. You know, company after company after company, we're seeing all sorts of interesting ways in which there is a concern, but yet at the same time, they're making moves to make sure that they maintain their profitability. I want them to preserve margins in times like these. And, and what is interesting is that we see that uh, prices that are going higher and higher, could we see input costs dropping as they are and maybe short-term helping corporate earnings? A lot of these things are up in the air right now. But there is little confidence, if any, Right now, considering that people are willing to pay up for the opportunity to own a company whose earnings may be slowing or whose earnings may not be there. This is no confidence in that at all. And that's why multiples are compressing. You know, we talk about P-E ratios uh, or multiples of earnings that someone is willing to pay to buy a stock and that's based on a lot of different factors. But the main one is the confidence that earnings will grow or at least be stable over time because that is the core component of what we're looking at. The ability for a company to maintain their earnings, their net earnings, which means margins and, of course, what f passes through in terms of expenses, is an important component because when we look at that, if there is that ability, people will pay up for that uh, confidence level. So, so when we, we think about a compression in multiples, that's saying that people don't have confidence that earnings are going to stay up because they're not willing to pay money for a company that earnings are dropping 5% per year. What they're willing to pay up for a lot of times is the opportunity for it to have blowout earnings for decades. They'll pay a huge premium for that but they're going to discount that if we're not going to have that. And when we enter into a recessionary time, like there is some call for, which clearly seems to be the case, if we utilize just the very basic long-term tried and true two negative quarters of GDP, we're there. And why markets are reacting the way they are right now is because we're, well, boneheads running the ship. Bad captaining. Very bad. Look at the latest data that came out this week. I mean, should we be surprised, the market reaction? We talk about don't fight the Fed, right? And we see that 
a lot of things when it comes to the, the, the latest maneuvers by UK and buying bonds to clean up their mess that the, the prime minister made the day before about the taxes and the issuance of bonds and unfunded. And then we see the next day that PCE prices are still up there. Uh, this report that we saw last Thursday or this thir- couple of days ago, Thursday, better employment we saw, right? A, a dip below 200,000. We see GDP at negative. So what is, what's the like about all that? But again, that's a temporary point of time. I wonder how your house price is affected by any of this. Did anybody go, oh, let me see what my house is priced at right now because look at that employment number. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And if you did, do me a favor, write me about it. I'd love to know what you're thinking. Seriously, not kidding. So it's difficult right now. But again, it's time for me to remind you about one foot in, one foot out. Did you adjust your bond exposure? Did you adjust your type and style of equity exposure? Do you have hedging of currencies on or not? I mean, what is it that you're doing to have that one foot in, one foot out, not totally balls to the wall, invested and undiversified in a way? Are you dollar cost averaging in, dollar cost averaging out? What are you doing? Because right now, the programming, reprogram, deprogramming, whatever you want to call it, pushing that play button and understanding what it is that you should be doing is really important. Understanding that you don't want to go with the hope strategy. You don't want to go with the ostrich maneuver. How is that going to help you? Makes no sense to me. It's only going to cause you major problems long term. Keep your eye on what the goal is. And of course, realize they're going to be hard times. They're going to be great times. I'm not saying just sit on your portfolio because that's, of course, the hope trade. I'm not saying that you should have made all these changes already. And if you haven't, it's time to do so. We made changes to bring down our equity exposure some time ago. We changed the duration of our bonds. We moved our money markets. We've done a lot of things to try and avoid some of the biggest areas that we thought were going to be problems. Didn't get all of them but yet made those concerted efforts to make moves to ride out some of the storm. Just like you want to seek shelter in a hurricane, sometimes the roof is going to come up. Sometimes it can be a lot worse and your shelter isn't as strong as it could be. May or may not be in your fault because maybe the strong the storm was a lot stronger than it was anticipated to be. But right now is not the time to do hope strategy, hope trade, or, or the ostrich maneuver. That's just silly. Now's the time to understand where we are and to start thinking about how much worse can it get? Well, can it go down another 10? Could it go down another 20? It's possible. But get all those other crazy ideas out of your head. The fact is that we've done a lot of the damage to markets already. That's the truth. There can be a lot more to go, but yet a lot of the initial damage was done as we went from a zero, basically a zero interest rate in the U.S., negative interest rates in Europe, to positive interest rates in Europe, and to significantly more positive numbers in the U.S. Those issues are very important to understand. The fact is that when we look at the move from 0% to 2%, there's an infinite number of, uh, or, or it's an infinity calculation going from that level. It's, you know, kind of one of those, uh, I can't do that convers- I can't do that because I can't divide by zero. Try to divide by zero, see what happens. It doesn't work. It comes out the same number all the time. 
But here we are in a situation that if we went from zero to two, zero to three, that's an infinite calculation right there. Now from two to four is a 100% move. Four to six is a 50% move on interest rates. Impact is different as we move those percentage differentials with the bonds. Still, raw numbers will be meaningful. No question about that. If you have a bond that's at 0.25% yield and interest rates are four, you're still going to get a hit if it goes to six. But again, the percent differential of uh, the hit that you'll take is probably going to be a lot less than if it went from a zero to two. That first move was pretty substantial. So what are we talking about? As we enter into now the final quarter, seasonally, October could be definitely a questionable period. A lot of people are calling for a lot of problems in October. Uh, just waiting on one surprise, one good news item, one not boneheaded move, one non-policy mistake that could be beneficial. And I got to tell you something, this market's going to rip. Now, does it have another 2%, 3%, probably 5 or 8% rip to the upside? And then maybe I think people are going to wonder what to do next. And I think we need to see things calming down on the inflation front and the Fed chilling out a little bit. Right now, expectations are for another uh, 275 basis point increase by the end of the year. Uh, but I do think that, uh, and I do believe, or I think and I believe, depending on how you want to look at it, that there is a limitation. There's, there's a natural overhead resistance point before they really do some damage that's irreversible. I just don't know if they're that smart, these guys. They don't seem that smart to me. I'll tell you that much right now. But you are smart. You are not going to be the hope trade. You're not going to be that guy or that gal. You're not going to be the ostrich maneuver person that just has your head in the sand. You are going to be proactive in at least, if nothing else, programming your portfolio for the right amount of risk and the right amount of time frame that is commensurate with you sleeping at night and not having to check it, worry about it all the time. You can do it. If you can't do it, you find somebody to help you, an investment advisor. I'm not going to try to sway you here to come to us. But if you do want to take a look at what we do over on the disciplineinvestor.com, I'll be happy to check in. This is the time usually where we start to get people that start thinking, you know, maybe Horowitz got something there. Maybe, you know what, I uh, can't just let this thing ride it out all the time. Maybe I need a better plan. I can tell you a lot of people in the last three months have been coming on over and becoming clients. So if that's something you're interested in with doing, I'll be happy to talk to you about that. We have multiple strategies, $500,000 minimum usually for our global allocations, 50,000 for the TDI managed growth strategy, which is a very concentrated equity strategy and investology, which is $10,000, which is a, an advisor crafted technology enhanced baby product and baby brother or sister of our global allocation. So that's all there. Anyway, uh, takeaway from this week, not going to put your head in the sand. You're not just going to pretend that things will be okay. You're going to create a structure, reprogram yourself, work on a portfolio that is right for you and not have to worry about it. The sleep at night portfolio check valve that's going to allow you to create wealth over a long time, but also mitigate risks in times of real strife and work on what should be a one foot in, one foot out dollar cost averaging strategy that gives it all to you right now. That's a lot. 
That's a lot, but you could do it. You are disciplined. And let's discipline your mental pro- discipline your mental process right now to give you the best of all worlds. And if nothing else, not to have you up at night freaking out, worrying about what this all is going to disappear one day and you're going to be out in the cold because that, that is not going to work long for you. Hey, thanks for joining me this week and every week. Uh, we're going to start off this year with a bang. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Yom Kippur is right around the corner next week. And then uh, we get into the end of the year excitement with all sorts of uh, goodies coming up uh, Halloween and holidays uh, into October, November, December. Thanks for joining me again. I'll see you again next week on the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.